Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all of these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. The word of the Lord. So Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, wealth, power, money. It seems possibly a bit extreme. It's so undialecty of him to say. So, one or the other, not holding two things in tension, it's either God or money. At first I read that and I'm like, yeah, okay, fine, easy, I wouldn't serve money. I know that, of course. I don't love money. Maybe there are people out there, Wall Street bankers, tycoons, obviously, despots, movie stars, moguls, BP, AIG, the G8, blah, blah, blah. There are others, perhaps, that serve money. But I don't. Money is not my master, man. I mean, admittedly, I work for it. But I'm not like its servant. I'm not opening its door for it while it gets into the limousine, or taking its coat, or bringing it a drink when it gets home from work. I work for it, but I'm not its servant. And really, you can't serve money. 
how would it notice? It can't see you. It has no feet for you to kiss. It isn't even really real. This is such a crazy thing and obvious, but if you talk about it very much, people will think you're crazy or on an acid trip because actually we concede to its reality like every living second, but money isn't real. It's nothing. Or it would be nothing, materially speaking, without human consent. It's this strange sort of convention which we all agree to, where we attribute value to something which in itself has no value. A worthless piece of paper that we all agree is worth something. So yes, the paper is of a different quality than monopoly money. But it's not the quality of paper that makes a $100 bill worth something. It's our consent, our convention, a social construct. It requires our belief. Or else it would have no power, be nothing. And actually, these days, we mostly have done away with even the piece of paper. So when the Federal Reserve puts money into the economy, for instance, it doesn't print it up and transport it by armored car to the banks. Did anybody else hear this episode of Amer This American Life? Ben Bernanke and his team decide on a figure, a number in their heads. With a lot of deliberation, they're really smart because they want it to be just the right amount to stimulate the economy but not cause inflation. And when they arrive at that figure, it's like... That's it. They punch it into a computer and ta-da, they've created money. Just like that, out of nothing. And it's nothing anyone will ever touch. It has no substance. It's numbers electronically transferred. Obvious and weird. If we all suddenly decided not to believe in it, it would have no value, or let's just say 75 of us, for percent of us decided not to believe in it, it would have less value. And the system would collapse. It's sort of a fiction that we've all agreed to believe in. And the economy, the system that runs the world, the empire depends on our trusting it. I mean, there was a time, and I'm not necessarily saying a better or more beautiful time or anything, but there was a time when if you needed your barn, say, repaired, you gave the carpenter a sheep or something, and he fixed your roof. You have sheep milk, you need wood, you trade. But of course, it was much more convenient for people to assign value to something sort of some arbitrary thing. It might have been shells or stones or feathers, something portable that you could earn and trade. But that system really requires that people have faith in it, trust that the valueless thing could be traded for something of real value. So I'm just saying, Everybody pretty much works for it. It absolutely 
requires our trust and faith, of course we believe in it. Otherwise, it wouldn't work. Its power is pervasive and it runs the world. So who is the master here? Jesus says it's either God or mammon. Like, there's no in-between. He may be wrong, he may be crazy, maybe he doesn't really know. But I wonder if he does. We wouldn't ever say we love money or serve money or that it's our God, but like in practice, in a day-to-day way, I'm just saying, we trust in it. We have faith in it. Submit to it. Collectively, all of humankind concedes to it its power. Moloch, whose mind is pure machinery, Moloch, whose soul is electricity and banks, he is the God that the world serves. I think that seems kind of obvious. So Jesus in this passage isn't suggesting that we use money wisely or that we earn it honestly. He's speaking of a power that acts like God, which makes itself our master, invades us, enslaves us, who fingers our armies, whose love is endless oil. I mean, are we all just using money? Or is it using us? It seems like whether you choose it or not, you're born into a world, an empire, where money is the God. And you live your life, you plan for it, you get educated under its domain, it orients people in life, it's obvious. If you try to veer from that predetermined path, like most of us, I think, try to do, you're straining against something that is pretty powerful. And where would you go? Everything is buying and selling. That's how we talk now. I don't buy it. You have to sell it. People hardly know how to talk anymore. We package ourselves like products on the internet. I mean, it's tiring to talk about over and over again how everything, everything, everywhere is commodified. It's done. Medicine, education, friendship, communication, sex, church, food, dissent. It seems like mammon has won. Everyone serves it. Economy is the system that runs the world. It seems almost silly, doesn't it, to claim to trust God in the circumstances under which we live? You'd think that Jesus might say something like, of course you serve two masters. It's attention. I know you don't really have a choice, and I'm sorry that you're in that position. But he says no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and man. It's not like he's saying, you live in the dialectic, man. It sounds like he's saying, choose. Or I wonder if it's more like he's pleading. Mammon is not a very good master, not a very good God. You can devote your life to it, and it will never love you back. Mammon is not a good lover. He arouses desires which he never satisfies, because satisfied people would not serve his goals. 
He doesn't respond to you. How could he? He's not a he. He's an it. He's not even an it. Mammon isn't capable of response. He doesn't care about your desires or needs or hunger. It can't care. It doesn't have a heart. Mammon has no passion for us. He's happy if we are nothing but mechanisms for his movement. He has no need for truly human beings. He needs commodities. Okay, technically, really, it doesn't need, and it can't be happy either. It's a big liar, Mammon. One of its biggest lies is to promise stability. That's one of the big things, security, safety, protection. It tries to pass for something that merits trust. You'd think that we might quit believing that Mammon could give us that. But we don't. Mammon can never give. Never give you what you need. It can't give you anything. It's not about giving. It has nothing to give. It's the opposite of giving. It's buying and selling. It's absurd that we keep putting our trust in it. It's not trustworthy. It's emptiness, an illusion. But everyone concedes that we must. Not Jesus, though. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is really kind of laying out another plan, or maybe not, maybe plan's not the best way to put it. A way. What it might look like if God was our God. And it doesn't look like what mammon's got going on. The kingdom of God is good for the poor and the weak and the meek and the hungry and the thirsty and the merciful and the peacemakers. It's not something that's driven by lust and greed. It's like Jesus is saying, look, there's this whole other way. Give to everyone who asks from you. It's very, very different than the mammon monster's kingdom. Its values are in opposition, I think it would be fair to say, to mammons. And this is huge. And it seems like a delightful, if doubtful, possibility. In the realm of the living, loving, giving God, you can be free of anxiety. Really. Free of anxiety. Trust God. You can. God is trustworthy. I don't think Jesus is being like some therapist giving relaxation meditation in this whole part about freedom from anxiety. I think he's trying to get us to change our allegiance. You can't trust mammon. Don't serve it. Don't let it be your master. Trust God. And freaking see what will freaking happen. Mammon isn't a good master. God is a great lover, Jesus seems to be saying. It respond, God responds to your needs before you even know what they are. The living creator, lover God feeds you, dresses you, 
and looks at you like you are precious, truly human beings. Maybe Jesus knows what it's like to not serve mammon. And it looks so lovely to be cared for by a God that loves, that is capable of love, creative of love. It looks so lovely to live trusting this lover. Beautiful things growing without toiling or spinning. Looks very different than serving mammon. I think Jesus is kind of pleading for us to come over to the other side. Okay, maybe sides isn't a good way of talking about it. Come out of the murky, illusory, deceptive nothingness into the light. Mammon doesn't like us. The creator, lover, giving God is passionate about us. This God loves vigorously. We're talking the creator. That seems like some vigorous love. Or the nothing. What do you choose? Jesus is like, come on over here, man. I mean, of course we're anxious. Of course we're worried about tomorrow. Look at the kingdom we live in. Mammon is a terrible ruler, thoughtless, destructive, mechanistic, soulless, utterly untrustworthy. If you read this like Jesus is trying to do relaxation therapy, it seems kind of silly and kind of mild. But I think he might be trying to persuade us to love the creative lover and overturn the way that the world works. I think he might be advocating for the transformation of the world as we know it. Of course, the powers that be killed him. What would happen if we began to trust in God? Maybe Jesus knew something about trusting God. It's transformative power or non-power power. And maybe if we went there, too, we could not be anxious, could help transform the world. But I'm pretty sure that mammon isn't going to protect us. I'm sure it doesn't care about the birds and the lilies and the grass or our children or wild space or the future of the planet. And it's serving it that keeps us captive, that's wrecking the world threatening the life of the world. I don't even know if there'll ever be any food left. It won't feed us. Don't trust it. Mammon won't protect us at all. It seems like it might be initially anxiety-provoking to change your allegiance. But it seems like Jesus wants us to get free from that beast. Wants to break the chains that are enslaving humanity. And the way he tries to get us out of it is by trying to get us to believe in God's love. It sounds so beautiful and simple. Believe in God's love. 
Seems like a beautiful choice. Who wouldn't choose it to stop serving mammon and believe in God's love? How can something so given seem so hard to realize? But it seems like the world desperately needs for us to get free. It always looked like the power is the power, the system that runs the world is the God. It always looks like you have no choice but to be subservient to it. But how could we oust it? I'm really not sure. Maybe not an armed revolution. I'm sure that would end up serving it. Maybe in some way it would unsettle its rule, its laws, to not think big necessarily. You know, it's so big on big. It's so big on power. I don't know, really, I don't. I like big too, but maybe it's hard to stay off mammon's path if you're going that way. I don't know who maybe gets some chickens. Grow broccoli, do something so you can eat without buying. Make bread and give it to each other. Teach your kids to trust what they can feel and touch. Value being a neighbor. Value what is not valued by the economy. Barter and trade. Watch birds consider the lilies. Maybe that isn't really that silly. Maybe it's a way out from under mammon. Trust the love of God, not money. This isn't actually easy. It's definitely deviating from the majority consensus. It's not really something that you run across in the dominant narrative, in the annals of empire. Grace, I know, is a word sometimes doesn't seem very meaningful. But its activity is the opposite of mammon's. Gift profanes mammon. It's going entirely against its law. It's the opposite of buying and selling. It's unbuyable and unsellable. It's so outside the economy we're used to that we hardly even understand it. We keep trying to commodify it, explain it's some part of some exchange. How do you get out from under mammon's illusory sway? Take this gift. 